What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Meet the Creatives. This is Rob, the Cuda Mixes podcast. Quick show note on this one. I just wanted to say this conversation is absolutely incredible. And my dumbass forgot to bring a battery for my second recorder. So I had to record it with my phone. So, but it uh, gets better as it goes on. And this conversation with Gabriel was out of this world. Gabriel Stromberg from Civilization, live in Seattle. Thank you to John Barry and everyone who gave me an incredible amount of hospitality while I was down there. So check out this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. We got one more coming from this live podcast series from Los Angeles with Neri Rebus. But this one is from Seattle. I hope you love it. Seattle, I love you guys and I miss you and I want to come back soon. All right, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you for coming out. Yeah, Gabriel Stromberg from Civilization, an incredible agency right here in Seattle. Gabriel Stromberg is the creative director of Civilization and host of Beyond This Point, uh, which is a series of conversations engaging creative thinkers who inspire us very similar to me. So thank you for being here. Uh, thanks so much for having me, and thanks for the incredible introduction. You know, it's interesting, I've um, been doing the podcast Beyond This Point, but up until recently, I had never been on the other side of the microphone. So this is actually my second time actually being a guest yeah. and not having, just being the person asking the questions. So just fair warning, I still consider myself an amateur as far as, as, far as being a podcast guest goes. But an expert interviewer though. Oh, thank you, thank you. Awesome. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to say too, uh, what an honor it is to be part of this podcast. I'm such a fan of the creatives. And um, I actually came across your podcast I teach design history, and I was looking for some podcasts to give my class, and uh, kind of mixed up with the get fit, you know, reading with podcasts, TED Talks, so. Um, I was on the list. Oh yeah, I found your <laughs> podcast, and we actually uh, actually gave him the Paul Share. The Paul Share. Yeah, just, you know, give him the best, you know. For sure. For sure. That's awesome. A couple years ago, I interviewed Paula Share on my birthday. It was an extraordinary experience. Uh, meeting her was really great. We kind of have similar influences from the branding and identity space. But uh, let's hop into it. Let's. Uh, we're gonna skip. Oh, we got two microphones now. We're testing. Testing. Oh, oh yeah. All right, here we go. You guys have fun so far. Round of round of applause. You guys having fun? This is gonna be the best podcast of your lives. All right, here we go. I'm just preparing myself to mentally read on Here we go. Uh, civilization is a design practice that builds identity systems, digital experiences, printed materials environmental graphics, and exhibitions that are engaging, empathetic, uh, sustainable, and creative, meaningful connections. I would imagine that typography plays a major role in making all of this possible, so how so? Uh, well, I mean, I think it just kind of uh, ties into our design perspective. We're really, at the core of what we do, we're really just trying to tell stories through design, and usually our typeface choices come from, you know, our creative brief, uh, what we're trying to achieve with the design, that being said, I mean, we're always hunting for new studios, new uh, foundries, and we have some, definitely have some favorites. Uh, we're, and, and we're just huge type fans. We have two incredible designers. Uh, I'm just gonna give them a little shout outs. Uh, as many shout outs as possible. We should do uh, the air horn every time we do a shout out to me. But do what, do what? The air horn. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have, uh, we have two designers, Giancarlo Cateriano, Oscar Miss, and uh, they're both incredible designers, but they're also uh, just have incredible, incredible eye, you know, incredible 
taste. And I was out there hunting for all these like new underground type foundries and typefaces. Um, we do have a couple people that we're really big fans of that we use again and again. There's a gentleman named Benjamin Critton, uh, who's also part of Colophon Foundry, which is a foundry in the UK. We absolutely just love their work and we use their, uh, their, their typefaces again and again. Uh, most recently we used uh, Benjamin's work for a project that we did for the Biennale of Sydney. Um, and then there's also another um, uh, design, I think they're a, they're a design firm, but they also design typefaces, and they're called Thinkwork Observe. Uh, and uh, there's a, specifically there's a typeface that they do, and it's kind of this revamp of Futura, and it's called Futura, and it's just kind of one of my favorite typefaces right now. I want to see this so bad, I want to like literally get up from the conversation and check that out. That sounds so awesome. And I could like just go down, like I could spend all night talking about typefaces. You're going to an island, and you're only, you have a, and you have a, have a like, hard drive with one typeface on it for the rest of your life. That's it. I don't want. I don't want to hear what's well, so, so this is so easy. What does it mean? It's definitely Futura. Really? Yeah. And I know that that's a very controversial choice. There's a whole book that says you can never use Futura unless you're. Who says that? Have you seen terrible people? Yeah. But I disagree. I love Futura, and I use it a lot. Do you have a favorite weight? Uh, yeah, medium. I always use so you're future. getting in the boat with medium future absolutely uh, no questions no questions I just think that it's it's so generic but in this really interesting weird way mm -hmm. and you know whenever like, I'll throw out some colors some weird shapes and I just throw a future on there and it always just looks cool what are the typefaces that when people say them you're like mm -hmm. deal breaker <laughs> for me yeah yeah I don't know because I love them like every, everybody like Cooper everyone's got kind of weird opinions about that I love it. Trajan. Uh, yeah. That's one that I can throw that over. So yeah, Trajan's kind of like a little bit, I, I don't know. Um, another one that I don't like. Ariel. Ariel's like, man. Yeah, that's a really, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Anytime someone brings me Ariel, I'm like, at least bring me Helvetica. At least bring me Helvetica. I'll try. So I'm doing that fun, guys. It's not going to be some stuff. It needs to be fun. Cool, favorite font or typeface on an island. We got that. Uh, let's talk about your podcast beyond this point. And I was a little bit concerned because before this podcast, before today, mm -hmm. or actually no, yesterday, I, I had not really dive, dived in. Why does that not sound right? Dived in? Dived in? You say dove in? Is it dove in? Dove in? I, I, dove in? Can we get an official response? Anybody? <laughs> dive, dove? Dive, dove. I dived in. I dived in, yeah, uh, to your podcast. And I was like, oh my gosh, what if I don't like it? And I love it so much. It's my new favorite podcast. Oh, I subscribe, I rate it and review. Uh, so <laughs> tell me about this podcast. How did you get started? Was this your own project that you brought to your company? Or was it uh, kind of the company wanted to get the name out there? And, yeah. Uh, no, actually, um, it was, I, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and I was just a huge fan of podcasts like, gosh, like Invisibilia. Uh, um, Modern Love, uh, I'm also a big fan of The Moth, and I was just kind of in this space and I got really inspired. But concurrently, uh, just you know, at social events or uh, just around town, I kept having these amazing conversations with people in other fields like architecture, product design, dance, and we would just get these creative conversations. And you know, I'm a graphic designer, and you, know, you can kind of get siloed in that kind of experience, right? And I just started to recognize that some of these conversations were actually, for me, really fruitful. Um, 
And sometimes, you know, I'd be stuck on a project and I would talk to an architect and start listening to their experience and it would actually give me this insight that would actually help me in my design work. And so I started realizing how important these conversations were and how this kind of cross-pollination of ideas uh, was, was, was a really awesome thing. And so that's what was really at the, uh, at the core of um, the, the podcast. And I think one of the things uh, that's been really great about doing it is I kind of consider myself an introvert. Um, but it's kind of helped me over here, overcome my fear of public speaking. And that was kind of like this little side thing that I didn't kind of foresee. Because I kind of just jumped right in because I was so inspired. And we did a lot of them live, and sometimes in front of really large crowds. Like we did one in front of like 100 people once. And I remember my guests were like, do you know who's in that? Sorry. <laughs> you know, they were like getting like, they were getting nervous, and then I realized, I was like, oh, yeah. this is like a thing. Yeah, yeah for sure. The live, the live podcast is certainly like a nerve-wracking thing. For whatever reason, though, or maybe it's a testament to Seattle, I felt really kind of calm going into this one. And also, I think because we do podcasts, and, and we kind of uh, vibe out on that. Did, did you have uh, one, uh, an episode in particular that kind of uh, changed your, your thinking on typography? I know that you, you spoke with some great designers and people from you know all, all different walks of life. Yeah, I've, had a, I've actually been really lucky, and I've interviewed uh, some really amazing people. One of my favorite podcasts was you know, bringing up Paul again, Paula Share in conversation with April Griman. So you had kind of East Coast, West Coast. And um, I mean, both of those uh, designers are just huge heroes of mine. And so to have them both together talking uh, about design, about their experiences, which is such a privilege. Um, I also got the uh, privilege of interviewing Kenya Haram. And um, I will say this, of all the podcasts that um, I've been a part of, uh, in all the, the kind of discourse that you know I've been privy to, he said something that really kind of stuck with me. And I asked him like a really kind of like banal, kind of out of the box question that was like, do you have any advice for younger designers? And I thought he was gonna say something like, follow your dreams. <laughs> uh, and instead he said, think of systems outside capitalism. And I just was like, whoa, <laughs> mind blown. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, well did you, what, how did he mean that exactly? You know, he just kind of like dropped, dropped that bomb, and this, that was the, I think that was the last one. Did he actually like mic drop after that? He could have, he could have, yeah. <laughs> Might as well have. That's so cool, I love that. Um, okay, so I'd love to talk about kind of, you know, the role of typography and bringing the spirit, um, you know, to some of the identities that you guys have worked on. Um, when you guys go, obviously, it's kind of tough to get into, because every product is unique and every product is different. Um, but kind of the role of typography and communication and some of the kind of the findings that you've had at Civilization. Well, you know, we started Civilization, I think the way a lot of people start fans. We really kind of bonded over um, kind of, we were fans of the same type of design, specifically kind of throughout history. And um, specifically, we were really big fans of moments in history where design had been a catalyst for social change. I mean, things like, uh, the silence equals death movement of the 80s, uh, you know, the work that Emory Douglas did for the Black Panthers in the late 60s, uh, even people like Sheila DeBretville, who uh, opened up the, uh, the Women's Center and uh, the first uh, program for uh, women in graphic design at uh, California Institute of the Arts, um, Timor Coleman's work for Colors Magazine. I mean, these were the kind of projects that when we got together was were inspiring to us and really um, motivated us to want to start a firm that did uh, the same type of work using design as a catalyst for social change. 
And specifically, um, you know, I, I think that it's, I think if you look from the perspective of history, any sort of evolution in the field of graphic design, whether it's centered on aesthetics or concepts or um, technology, you know, first capitalism, you know, puts it to use right away. But I really do think that it's in the space of, you know, social change, whether that's activism or, uh, you know, um, cause-based organizations. I think it's in these spaces that really kind of push the limits. I mean, if you really think about, you know, some of the, uh, the real, uh, the real key elements of modernism. I mean, I think of like something like typeface image, right? There's nowhere in history that that is more like impactful than in like protests, like in say the uh, the Memphis sanitation worker strike in 1968. That I am a man. I mean, when you see that, you're like, oh yes, typeface image. This is a thing. And it's really amazing. And so I think for us, uh, these are really those kind of like these are the kind of key examples that really inform. Um, our kind of understanding of the possibilities of design, whether it's typography or color uh, or format, um, and now that we're in the digital space, um, things like movement and uh, sequence. And so, um, you, guys, you guys have that low-key movement, like down perfect. Yeah, it's yeah. like great typography, <laughs> perfect color, and like a little subtle animation that's like, oh, this is amazing. You guys do things with the lines too. I love that. There's definitely an aesthetic going on in. Um, not that you guys have, no designer ever wants to have, or no firm ever wants to have like a style, but you guys certainly, I think have struck the balance between kind of something that's like functional and reads really well, and then also too, has moments of like, joy. I feel like that's an overused saying, and everyone in Brandon says that. But you really do create these little moments of like, oh wow, that thing does that, and I wasn't expecting it to move that way. That's great design. Well, it's exciting too, because I mean, now that, you know, movement, is uh, you know just this kind of thing in our toolbox. It's another element of design, right? It's another kind of piece of the identity, along with you know type and color um, and space. Now you have movement as a brand as a brand element. Yeah, for sure. I know that before we kind of took some, uh, we were kind of speaking about like uh, going over some notes and everything. I know you had some things you wanted to talk about. Did you want to throw one out there just, what, just so we could switch it up, or it's up to you? Oh, yeah, well, I would love to talk to you about your podcast. Let's do it. Let's switch it up. Because I, 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 I am a fan, and um, it's so rare that you get to geek out over podcasts with someone that has a podcast. Hey, man. We're in this together. We're in the creative field. That's cool. Well, I, I think that there's uh, what I really love about your podcast is uh, you, there's this magic that happens. It seems like every episode, there's some sort of like someone very similar to what I was talking about, Kenny Hart, someone like drops a bomb, or like there's always like some quote that I want to wear on a t-shirt, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there, are, there have been kind of some times, it's, it's weird, and I think like, even as we speak right now, there's kind of like, it's almost like there's like outer body experience, and like people are listening, and you're trying like, you know, like you're, you're being present, but you're also in the back of your mind, like trying to think about things, and I think on the podcast, there are some moments where, I, you know, someone will say something and go, oh, that's good, that'll sound good. And then all of a sudden, like three months later, something doesn't work out in my life, and I listen back to that advice from that person, it's just like transformative. And sometimes like right in the moment. I remember like when I spoke with Debbie Millman, it was uh, like I was just so young and impressionable, and she just like had this this thing that I like, I literally want to get the entire thing just tattooed like on my arm. That might just, be my favorite podcast, this really? Debbie Millman. In fact, uh, that podcast honestly changed my life. She what? says something in that podcast that I just heard it at the right time, and I'm paraphrasing here, but she said something like, you know, if you're doing something and it doesn't work out, if you stop, you didn't fail, you gave up. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, for just sure. to hear from like a creative of that caliber. And I think it's gonna apply to people that are here tonight. It's just like, 
if you're doing something and you have a goal and you have and not met that goal yet, like don't give up and kind of keep moving and keep pushing forward because most people give up after the first time. And then even more people give up after the second time. And and the moments of, you know, the extraordinary moments belong to those who are willing to try for the third and the fourth. So it was really kind of cool. So I'm glad that you like that, man. That's good. Okay, so here's a fun one for you. So the purpose of my podcast, as I mentioned, is to bridge the gap between entry-level creatives and people like yourself. So if somebody in Seattle wants to apply, after this, they go to your website and see how dope your website is, and like, yo, this is my new favorite design studio. How do I get a job here? What are some of the things that you're looking for, and what are some of the things that would really kind of resonate with you? And then what are some of the things you would see that might not sit so well, or might show that somebody's a little bit green, or that you wouldn't be able to trust them. And we're really small, and we're gonna try even harder. Well, we're really small, and uh, I think that most of the people that, well, all the people that work at our studio, it was kind of all about. I mean, they're all amazing, and talented, and incredible, but it was really the the, the the culture fit component of it. You know, you just meet them, and yeah, they have incredible work, but you uh, you also want to hang out with them or. You're gonna be stuck in a room with this five days a week. Right, yeah. um, so you know, again, as a as an educator, I teach uh, history and I also teach branding. I just want people to be inspired. Uh, as far as trends or practices or like what what skill sets you should choose, I mean that's all up to you. I think the thing that I really focus on is I want people to be really inspired, specifically like students. I want them to be like really into the work that they're doing. And I also want them to really understand how powerful design can be. And I think that's why I love teaching history, because we really focus on like, all these examples where people change the world of design. We have so many problems right now. It, this is purely selfish. I want these students to go out there, and I want them to, to do the work. I want them to change the world. Right. Uh, and I really do think that design can do that. Bring it back to your podcast. I don't remember which, uh, which episode, but someone was, someone was mentioning that. They're like, you know, it was something about discipline, and they're like, "Well, you don't really need to be disciplined if you're into what you're doing." Uh, it's Naomi Lacazes, and she works. Uh, does any, are you guys familiar with the? Um, it was the it's the female razor Billy. It's a, it's similar to like Dollar Shave Club, but it's like for women. It's really awesome. All the girls should definitely check it out. So she worked at that, and she worked at Google Creative Lab. And I was talking about like you know, I want to get a job at Google. I want to do all this stuff. Like, what's your advice? And she basically just said like, find things that like it sounds cliche, but just find things you love doing. Yeah and then just do them. Like if it feels like it's like really hard to get the ball rolling, you probably don't like what you're doing. Absolutely, and, and I also think my one uh, piece of advice that sometimes I give is just know that whatever job you take, just know that the next job will probably, what it's setting you up to do is something similar, right? So if you wanna do something, if you wanna, if you really wanna be a book designer, but you're doing, um, you know, you're, doing, you're designing web banners all day, just know that if you really want to be a book designer, you got to figure out a way to get some book design experience under your belt. Right. I love that you brought that up because I talk about that on the podcast all the time. If you don't have the experience and you want to get that experience, like you have to make it. That's a part that no one really talks about about for entry level creatives. Is there is a period where, and this is the biggest question that I get on the podcast: is how do I get a job where I need experience to get the job, but I don't have experience? How do you, how, how would you, if you were just graduating school and you didn't have experience yet, yeah. and you were kind of in that place, how do you get over that hurdle from, well, you don't have any experience, to, to walking in with an undeniable portfolio that demands attention? How do you do that if, if no one's willing to give you a chance? 
so this is actually where it kind of gets tricky because um, my kind of approach has been since the beginning, since I started designing, is I have a job, but designing isn't my job. Designing is my life. I don't. I mean, I and I think I feel really lucky that I get to do something that I love doing. But I mean, if I was when I wasn't working, I was out, you know, designing posters for music festivals or um, uh, you know doing you know stuff for nonprofits. Yeah, and I, I do think this kind of goes again to the to the the power and the value of design. I mean. Once you kind of have your skill set down, you kind of have this thing that's really in demand. And so just know that all these people will kind of want what you, what the service that you can do. And so if you don't, if, if, you're, if your roadblock is not having the portfolio, which is kind of how you show your experience, well then do whatever you can to build that portfolio. Right, you know, just create it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what do you need, 10 projects? Right. You mentioned about being an educator and being into design history, and obviously there is a incredible, rich history of typography for, and John and I were actually talking about this last night at dinner that typography didn't just become in now. I mean, for years people have been gathering and talking about it and um, it's been at the forefront of design and communication. For if someone is looking to kind of go into the archives, go into the book, go into you know, the library, find a cool old book or somebody they should know about, who are the unsung heroes that people don't know about? There's some kind of moments, um, kind of like that early Swiss typography, people like Rosemary Tisi. Uh, she's actually a really huge influence on me, and she's someone that kind of took those letter forms and just used them as, as kind of pure shapes. I always show uh, her work to my students, and um, it's just so groundbreaking. Uh, and I mean, other people, and I think what I really love is I love those moments in history where people kind of do break the rules, and maybe that is because they just, they've learned them or they've come from this tradition that was all about the rules, and then they kind of start just like having fun or deconstructing or kind of trying to find new meanings. Um, I think we could also even talk about like, the new wave movement, which was kind of happening uh, in the like 70s and 80s, people like Hubert Priman, mm -hmm. another, another hero. Awesome. We're going to toss it over to Q&A. All right, give it up one time for Gabriel. All right, uh, put your hands up if you guys have a question. If anyone has a question about typography. You're all stunned. <laughs> there you go, right there. Uh, I should know this, but I don't. If you haven't designed a font formally yet, when is that going to happen? Gosh, I don't know if I have the attention span to design a whole typeface. Uh, we've definitely done things where it's like all an, an all uppercase custom face uh, uh, a couple years ago, um, and custom letter forms. But I'm actually kind of in awe of type designers uh, because I mean it's so detail oriented. So uh, maybe the answer is um, I would love to, but one day when I have a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, well, how about in the next five years we make one? Yeah, last year. Hi, Gabriel. I'm curious. Um, I guess you're talking about civilization being a small studio and finding culture fit as you and your team join. Um, how do you differentiate between culture fit and culture add? So people who don't just exist that you know contribute to the homogenous group, but actually maybe add diversity, add different perspectives that kind of challenge you as a group. So how do you kind of balance the two? The team kind of is because where we're at right now, it happened very organically. Um, and we really have people from all backgrounds um, and uh, all different perspectives. And that 
it just kind of happened. I, all I can say is it just happened organically. Um, and uh, everybody that works at our firm really kind of approached us and was like, hey, I really love what you're doing. And then when we brought them in, they just kind of got it. And so everything else just fell into place. And so just naturally, it just so happens, just by coincidence, it is a, it's a very, there's again, a lot of different backgrounds, lots of different perspectives. Uh, but it, it all just kind of happened kind of naturally and organically. Nice round of applause for Gabe. So just in closing, you guys are doing a lot here in you know the, the Seattle area, and you have a lecture series, you have a podcast. So where can people find your podcast? Uh, social handles. This is uh, a time you guys can kind of share some of your social handles or anything like that. So oh gosh, social handles. Yeah. Built by civilization on Instagram. I got that. Built by civilization on Instagram. Uh, cool Instagram name, man. Built by civilization. You can find more about our uh, lecture series at designlecture.es, design lectures. Uh, and then buildbycivilization.com is our website. And then also too, uh, I currently, um, I do some experimental work with a, with a group of local uh, product designers. And right now we have a show at a gallery in Georgetown called Studio E. And the show is called Solids and Voids. And it's, uh, it's just a series of experiments, and so I have uh, some screen prints and some sculptures in there as well. Very cool, very cool. All right, uh, nice big round of applause for Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs>